bringing you the stories behind the standards. This is the BSI Education Podcast with Matthew Charles, Alan Sellers, and Cindy Parakil. Today's episode is with the BSI Group Chief Executive, Susan Taylor Martin. It's a really interesting and very global perspective, but all of it kind of founded on trying to help organizations be better. It really is about sharing knowledge, sharing innovation, and really raising the bar in terms of performance for you know the organizations that we work with, and that's really motivating to me. Hello, my name is Matthew Childs, and I'm with Alan Sellers. Hello, Matthew. And I'm also with Cindy Parakil. Hi, Matthew. Now, at the top of the episode, we were played in there with an excerpt from my conversation with our special guest, Susan Taylor-Martin, the new BSI Group Chief Executive. Now, Susan is only five weeks into her new job, so I think we can call that a bit of an exclusive for the podcast, and we're very grateful that she was able to speak to us. As you'll hear later, my conversation with Susan was about the professional. We spoke about the BSI Group and how BSI and the standards community are responding to the big global challenges we're facing right now, such as COVID-19. But we also spoke about the personal too, including about her own standards journey, which as regular listeners will know is something that we ask of all of our guests. And also about that working at home for much of the past year means there has been some improvement in her culinary skills, though as she's happy to admit, this was from a relatively low base. Now, I thought it was a really open and fascinating conversation, and I really enjoyed it. What did you both think? Yeah, I loved it too. What she said about starting a job during a pandemic really resonated with me because I also started my job with BSI in March 2020, and I haven't met you or Alan in person. And at this rate, who knows if we'll ever get to meet face to face. And it was also great to hear about her global perspective for BSI. And it was fantastic to see what her take is on digital transformation, because we're going to cover it in a future episode. I was really interested in her thoughts around diversity and inclusion and about BSI as an organization, but also how diversity and inclusion affects the standards making process. Because without the most diverse range of perspectives around the table, we can't make the best standards. That really came through for me. Now, before we hear from Susan, uh, we need your standards desk of news, Alan. But before we get to that, now in the last episode in your standards desk of news, you spoke about ISO 7010 and the new active volcano zone symbol. And I said, active volcano news sound like a good idea. And we were speculating about how many active volcanoes there are actually out there. Well, I did some digging. Uh, it just so happened that part of Charles B's homeschooling this week has been on volcanoes. And I mean homeschooling in the loosest a possible sense. So this is taken from the Smithsonian Institution Global Volcanology Program. And this is data as of December 2020. Volcanoes erupting now, 46. Volcanoes that erupted during 2020, 63. Volcanoes with confirmed historical eruptions, 562. Volcanoes with confirmed Holocene, which is in the last 10,000 years, eruptions, 869. And volcanoes thought to have erupted in the last 10,000 years, 1,420. 
Matthew, I think you can add Mount Etna to that list. I think that erupted a few days ago now. Active, active volcano news. Uh, they they continue. Uh, the definition of volcano is as important in answering the number question as the definition of active. Usage has varied widely, with volcano applied to individual vents, volcanic edifices, or volcanic fields. Uh, but perhaps the most honest answer to the number question is that we do not really have an accurate count of the world's volcanoes. Now, you said, Alan, about an, uh, having a maybe we've got one in your back garden, so it could still be true. But there are at least a thousand identified magma systems on land alone likely to erupt, erupt in the near future. So rather than sort this out, I just seem to have opened a can of worms or a, a can of magma in this case. So, Alan, can we have um, can we have your standards desk of news, please? And uh, Cindy and I will be careful with our our interruptions. The headlines this week: draft standard for the assessment of reused components and recommendations for interpreting services. The draft standard IEC six three 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 three. General methods for assessing the proportion of reused components in products built on the drive to make better reuse of components in products so that less energy is spent making new ones. As products start to set themselves apart with environmental credentials, this standard will provide a way to compare the proportion of reused components between products. Pardon? What did you say? Perhaps I'm in need of draft standard ISO 23155 interpreting services. The standard provides recommendations about the competency of translators and their requirements to enable effective translations during conferences. Now, I've heard it said that if you're trilingual, you speak three languages. If you're bilingual, you speak two. And if you speak one language, you're English. Now, I think uh, there's only one person on this podcast who's trilingual, Alan, and it's certainly not you or I. I think you're right there, Matthew. <laughs> I wonder how many translators have moved into the online world of meetings. Yeah, it really looks like this sector is really going to boom in the next decade. Is it time to consider a career switch? <laughs> not for me. No, I don't think so. I'm certainly an Englishman when it comes to <laughs> languages. <laughs> Now, both standards are now available for public comment via BSI Standards Development Portal. Get commenting now and shape the way these standards develop. And that's the Standards Desk of News for this week. Back to you, Matthew. Thank you, Alan. And as always, you can find the links there to those, to those news stories in the episode notes. Uh, and for a, a for prize, you want to email into education at bsigroup.com with, uh, with what language Cindy was speaking there. Here's me with a quick reminder that for more information on BSI Education, go to bsigroup.com forward slash education. This link and others on the themes raised in this episode can be found in the episode notes. Do please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts and share us on social media using the hashtag BSI EdPod. And if you have any comments or questions about this episode or ideas for future episodes, then do please get in touch at education at bsigroup.com. We really welcome your feedback. Now, the aim of this podcast is to bring you the stories behind the standards.
Our story for this episode comes courtesy of our very special guest, Susan Taylor Martin, the new BSI Group Chief Executive. Before joining BSI, Susan had led a range of information, publishing and software businesses, first at Reuters and then at Thomson Reuters. Most recently, she served as president of its global legal business based in New York. She also has experience of the leisure and hospitality sector through being an independent, non-executive director of Whitbread PLC since 2012. And she's a former chair of the London Council of the Confederation of British Industry. I discussed with Susan about the professional side of things, and in particular the role BSI and the standards community is playing to help meet some of the big global challenges we're facing, such as climate change and sustainable development. But I kicked off our conversation by asking her about the personal. So like many people across the world, you've started a new job during a global pandemic and had to meet your colleagues remotely. Now, I know you're only in week five of your of your new role, Susan, but how's, how's that been for you? It has been challenging. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be honest. And challenging because I didn't think I didn't think we'd be back in lockdown in the UK. And so kind of um, it took some time just to kind of get my head around the fact, no, it's just going to be pretty virtual for quite a while. <laughs> Um, and I think it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Once you kind of mindset so powerful, once you shift gears, it's all right. You're not, you're not trying to struggle against something that you can't change. So, but it has been challenging, but the fantastic upside has been that through technology, um, I've actually been able to meet many more people, uh, in BSI, through, through kind of video screen than I possibly would have met you know, face to face over the first five weeks. So in fact, it's allowed me to kind of reach all sorts of parts of BSI that that would have, um, you know, that would have languished until I could have got on a plane. And that hasn't been the case. So every cloud, as they say, has something of a silver lining. I think you're right. I mean, I've certainly spoken to people uh, across the whole BSI group that I, that I probably would never have spoken to yes. you know, doing these podcasts, but also just generally because it, we've, we've been able to do it. So I think that it, that is fantastic. Now, also during the past year, many people have taken advantage of, of the new sort of working and living conditions to, to do something new. So take up art or even learn an instrument or cooking. And you remember, mm. remember back in the UK in, in March I'm impressed last year, the sort of I, banana yeah. bread craze and everyone was perfect, <laughs> perfecting sourdough. their sourdough. Exactly. exactly. I just wonder, if, have you developed any new I skills or interests? None of those. None of those. I, I feel really... It's really a poor show, isn't it? Because I feel like every, you know, I'm very impressed with people that have kind of learnt new languages or, you know, learnt an instrument or goodness only knows what. There are people doing uh, fantastic things out there. I've managed to stay sane, which I, I think is a is important because actually I think it's been pretty hard, I think, on all of us in some shape or form, dealing with that kind of low-level depression of being restricted. Um, my My greatest joy actually has been my eldest child and his girlfriend have been living with us for most of lockdown and you know he's of an age he's 25 he's of an age where you wouldn't expect him to be home again and so Mm. it's been it's been a real pleasure spending kind of you know serious time with him he would probably say too much time clearly but um but that's been a real joy and I certainly have been cooking more I'm a terrible cook but I have had much more opportunity to to practice over this last year than before so um so that's also been that's also been kind of been good um so there are you know there are definitely been a few kind of upsides to to the restrictions and i'm just very grateful that you know 
we've got so many people around the world that have been in absolute dire straits, either from a health perspective, from a financial perspective. I, th I think it's been a really, really tough 12 months. And I'm grateful that, you know, for sad about the restrictions, but I'm grateful for so many other things. I think you're right. I mean, uh, certainly having a, a member of the family in there, it could have gone one or two ways, couldn't it? But it went a very mm. positive way, which is great. I've certainly improved my pizza dough making skills, Ooh. partly because you actually have got the time and you think, well, normally you're sort of fitting things in and you think, well, actually yes. I have got a bit more time to do that. So that, that, is, that has been good. I also got managed to get around and watch um, Breaking Bad, which I've never got, I've never got oh, around to watching. No, so exactly. The binge on that. No, that's a, that's a good, you know, those kind of series, you know, I've, I feel, I, I did have a point where I thought, you know what, I might watch the West Wing start to finish. And then actually when I added it up, it was just, it, it, there was just absolutely no way. I was ever going to make it through, so I decided against that. But uh, but you're right, all, all fun things. But you're also homeschooling, aren't you? Homeschooling, yes, the joys Which of that, and uh, that is tough. Trying to just fit fit things in, but uh, I think yeah. we've learned obviously in lockdown three point zero now. So you, we've learned from <laughs> lockdown one and two yeah. about you know, the battles that you'll take on. So uh, no, yes, exactly. it's it's been an interesting journey that one. Yes, yeah, so talk... it's one of one of those times when you've got to cut yourself a little bit of slack. I think just in terms of. Uh, you know, it's all having, you know, don't set your sights too high. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Getting through the day is, is kind of good enough at some level. Lower those expectations. Exactly. Yes. You start off thinking we'll do maths and English and then we'll do maths and then we'll just, just do a few yeah. sums. Let's just get <laughs> those right. done. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> now, talking of journeys, we, we ask this of all of our all of our guests mm. about their particular standard journey. And we're finding they're sort of broadly going to two camps. You've either got guests that have been steeped in standards and had a sort of long professional background in them. And then there are those that are sort of relatively new to the to the standards world. And we sort of we're calling them have, asking them if they've been seduced by standards. So mm. I'll ask you, you know, like many of our guests, have you also been seduced by standards? I have, you know, I'm not uh, I'm not an engineer by background. As, as you know, and I didn't know much about the standards world. I did know about BSI in terms of the kite mark. Um, and I'd heard about the organisation, but actually as I kind of dug into it, just this wealth of kind of knowledge and know-how that just courses through uh, the company's veins is really, really fascinating. And understanding and learning about kind of the world of standards, the way in which they're set, you know, the sort of the voluntary way that people come together to talk about best practice. Um, such a powerful thing. And and the thing that I really, really kind of resonated with me is, you know, BSI is an organization that can have a, you know, a massive impact. I think of it as a little bit like a pebble that you throw into to the pond. And it's just, there are so many kind of, you know, it amplifies, it can really amplify and speed change in so many different ways through the adoption of standards. So they're kind of a, I've absolutely been seduced. And I think there's something of a, a secret, you know, I, I don't know. I think there are pockets of our economy um, that really make fantastic use of standards and, you know, particular industries absolutely kind of, you know, fundamentally require standards sometimes from a, a regulatory perspective, but it really does make you realise the kind of the power of standards to deliver change because they are such practical things. Uh, I think about that particularly in the, in the light of kind of thinking about sustainability in particular. So many companies struggling, I think, with what to do. You know, the standards can be a very, very powerful tool, I think, for 
you know, doing things differently. And, and that's how we change. We change by doing things differently. So I'm, I'm, I'm a, a newbie when it comes to standards, but I've certainly been seduced by them and their power. Now you are, you talked about change there. Mm. Uh, and obviously you were obviously a new, new chief executive for the BSI group. Now you're the first uh, female chief executive for BSI. It's 120 year history. Now I just wonder if that's something that you've thought about and if that, how, how important that is to you, but also how important is diversity and inclusion mm. you think to, to BSI? The diversity and inclusion agenda is incredibly important to every business, to every institution. Um, it really applies to BSI because this business, almost more than any other that I've worked in, is all about the people. It's all about talent. It's all about attracting and retaining really talented, expert people. And um, we need to make sure that we we get the best people, and they will naturally, you know, come from a very diverse set of backgrounds. And when I talk about diversity, you know, for me, it's diversity in absolutely everything, not just gender and ethnicity, sexual orientation, absolutely everything, life experience, everything. It's really, really important. Um, and I, every bit of research that I've ever written on this this read on this topic has always talked about the quality of the decision making is just so much better the actions that we take are so much better if we involve a diverse group of people so for me it's important that bsi is a really inclusive environment where everyone feels that they can bring their whole selves to work and be themselves fully that's important because we will deliver better for our clients, the more inclusive we we are. I think that's absolutely vital. And it's one of the areas actually that I'm very interested in, particularly from a standard setting perspective, because I think historically, kind of the world of standards has been the preserve of, uh, you know, a relatively kind of, you know, a, a group of people perhaps lacking in diversity. And we've got a fantastic opportunity, I think, to really start to kind of engage a much bigger group, broader, more inclusive group in terms of coming up with standards. So I think it's very interesting from a standard setting perspective, very interesting to BSI. Um, and actually, I shouldn't use the word interesting. It's vital. It's crucial. If we don't ensure that we have a really inclusive, diverse team, then we will not deliver, I think, on the promise that BSI has. Now, BSI holds a uh, unique position in the standards world. Obviously, we are the, the national standards body here in the UK, but we also provide standards products and services all over the world. Mm. So I suppose, can you can ask, can you describe the, the BSI group for us in sort of simple terms? Yes, it, it's interesting, actually, you kind of say that because you're right, we've got a sort of split personality a little bit in terms of, you know, the the national standards body piece covered by the kind of Royal Charter is, you know, we work for the UK government ensuring that, um, you know, we've got great UK standards and that UK industry, business, corporations are well represented as part of the kind of international standard setting agenda. And, and actually, the UK is, you know, we are one of the biggest contributors to the international standards agenda, which is fantastic through, through BSI. So, even in our kind of UK world, as it were, actually, it's a very international outlook because business is totally global and therefore that global perspective is essential. Um, when I think about BSI, I, I do think that if I think about it almost kind of as a, a pyramid, as it, as it were, and I think the standards 
um, setting that we do through the national standards um, body, the distribution of standards through our knowledge solutions part of our business, kind of at the bottom of that pyramid, if you imagine. And then if we kind of move up the pyramid, we've then got uh, our business is, is focused on making sure that we deliver against those standards. So that's our sort of assurance business. And we've got a, a sort of a general assurance business that covers many, many industries um, and sectors, and also an assurance business that's very focused on medical devices. And then right at the kind of the top of the pyramid is the world of consulting, which is a relatively newer um, activity for us as BSI. Um, and I think of that as kind of the top of the pyramid because often those consultants are working in areas such as cybersecurity or um, environmental health and safety, and they're working absolutely at the cutting edge. So they're not working to standards that already exist in the market. They're often working with corporations that end up setting standards for the future. So it's where we, you know, there's, there's kind of a virtuous circle, if you imagine, from our consulting world back into the world of kind of standard setting as we realize that kind of cutting edge work needs to become the basis of um, a best practice standard. So it's a it's a really interesting and very global perspective, but all of it kind of founded on trying to help organizations be better. It really is about sharing knowledge, sharing innovation, and really raising the bar in terms of performance for you know the organizations that we work with and that's really motivating to me you mentioned uh susan there that crucial sort of international perspective and certainly some of the education work that i do um talking talking to students around the uk i talk about standards being an international game Mm. um and in september uh the uk and bsi will host host iso week uh, here in london now bsi was instrumental in creating iso the international standards organization 75 years ago and many leading international management standards started as british standards so i suppose do you see bsi continuing to play such a leading role in standards development in that way absolutely absolutely and it goes back to the factors as i mentioned before you know we're operating in a very global economy you know um and so that global perspective is vital. And the fact that, you know, BSI and, and therefore the UK through BSI is so active on that international standards gender is absolute is is fantastic. It's exactly the way that it should be. We're very excited. And obviously Scott Steedman, kind of my colleague uh, on the BSI board and who heads up our standards world, is very active in ISO and will be very active as part of this um, of ISO week in London. We're really looking forward to taking taking part in that and continuing the kind of the leading role that we have on in that in that ISO world. Ever wondered how standards are made or who gets to make them? Why standards are numbered the way they are and who gets to choose these numbers? Or maybe you have a burning question about standards related to your job or the sector in which you work? Well, this is your chance to ask the BSI Education Podcast and we will get your questions answered. All you need to do is record your question via audio message and send it to education at bsigroup.com. We'll put the best ones to a panel of experts in a future episode, so stay tuned. Now, there's another huge event taking place 
uh, in the UK this year. So the UK will host the 26th UN Climate Change Conference of the Parties, or COP, and it'll be COP26 in Glasgow in November. You mentioned earlier on when we started kind of conversation about sustainable development. So I suppose to get to expand on that a little, little bit, what role does stands play in, in protecting the planet? We have a lot of kind of technical standards today around sustainability in its broadest definition and from a kind of climate perspective too. Um, but I feel like there is there is absolutely more that we can do uh, from a BSI perspective, and there's more that we can do. More that we can do. When I say when I talk about that, I mean from a kind of a BSI's own sustain, internal sustainability agenda, as it were. That's something that we're very focused on. But we're as focused on thinking about how we can leverage the standards world to really help organisations grapple with what you know their their role and the part that they can play in such a kind of key topic and it's a world where there's a there's a there's a lot of complexity out there uh there's an enormous amount of information i think many organizations really struggle with so what i i know that there's an issue i've seen the data i understand the science but i'm really unsure what i need to do and how i can you know how can i move the needle what can i do differently and i think standards can be a very practical way of taking steps to really improve, um, you know, an organization's sustainability. So I, I think there is a, we've absolutely kind of already, you know, there are standards out there today, both at a BSI and an ISO level, obviously, that um, that we use and that we certify against, we assure against today. I feel like this is an area that we could make an absolute step change. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would we do to make sure that, you know, those standards are really accepted and, and kind of accelerate the usage of those standards across our client base uh, and to new clients, I think that's something that we should absolutely focus on. I think COP26 is going to be, we hope to kind of be playing an, an important um, role in in that, uh, that conference. Uh, just as we kind of look back on Paris and see how important that was, I think this is going to be an absolutely vital um, conversation. The thing I'm most excited about, though, is how can we help deliver concrete action you know out at, at, the, at the end of that kind of that conference so what can we do that can turn the you know the the important statements and agreements and commitments that we make around the world into something that an organization a business you know an sme could then really do something differently and contribute so that's the piece that I think we're really, really focused on is how can we help ensure that we've got some real action-oriented deliverables um, that come out of that conference. Now, picking up on you said there about, about help and, and support uh, for on behalf of BSI. Now, COVID, back to COVID again, COVID has been, a, you know, had a huge, dramatic impact on people's lives and livelihoods across the world. What practical support has BSI been providing to support people and organisations during these really difficult times? I have to kind of call out my new colleagues who've done just heroic work over the last year. And, you know, both in terms of kind of supporting 
our 5,000 colleagues around the world, making sure that people kind of have stayed safe uh, through the period. I think the organization pivoted very quickly to kind of moving to kind of a remote way of working and continuing to support our clients remotely. So both the team and our business have been remarkably resilient during that period of time. And, you know, as I said, just a real call out to my predecessor, Howard Kerr, uh, and the leadership team and every single organize every single individual across the organization who I think you know it's their commitment and their resilience that have kind of seen us through this period so there's a lot of work that we did for kind of clients on our in within our own organization but you're right BSI was also very engaged supporting the UK and the world's response to kind of COVID in a in a whole range of ways we we had over 100 relevant standards were made freely available so those covered kind of vital response areas like ventilators, you know, personal protective equipment, PPE, hygiene products, risk management, business continuity. Uh, and we know that over 124,000, you know, of those documents were downloaded by people on that basis and used. So that's excellent. We hold held a whole range of webinars, particularly around business continuity, with thousands of um, participants uh, across the world. Um, the, the group that I mentioned earlier are our medical devices notified body, those technical experts undertook technical file reviews on behalf of the UK's Medicine and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency, MRHA. Um, and they were looking, for example, at the, the new ventilator systems. Uh, they were looking, we were looking at quality management audits of manufacturers on behalf of MHRA to make sure that they met the required standard uh, for various products. Our product certification team supported the rapid deployment of PPE um, by developing testing procedures that provided these kind of fast track routes for establishing performance of products. And we have a kite mark, for example, that we launched last year for face coverings. So there was a lot of work um, that was happening across the group, including people, again, particularly within our medical devices group, where we've got a number of kind of clinicians working there who went back to the front line to support uh, to support their kind of their their medical colleagues and healthcare provision, uh, so a fantastic response I would say from across the organisation. And and interestingly, you know, one of the things that we worked on was guidance to help managers manage a safe return to the to the workplace, uh, which include kind of health and safety, IT security, procurement, hygiene, those sorts of things. Some of that guidance has subsequently been taken up by ISO, we were talking about just earlier, with a view to forming the basis of a standard for dealing with future pandemics. So what I think is impressive, it's not just dealing with the kind of the crisis in the here and now, but the idea that we can kind of encapsulate those learnings into a standard that we can use for the future is really powerful. Mm-hmm. I mean, you say it's, um, as you say, it's only, you're only week five for the, for the yeah. job. But given what you've just said, uh, said those sort of lessons for the COVID experience, um, the big changes and the big challenges that are that are surrounding us in terms of climate change, um, are you beginning to think, you know, where, where does BSI go next? I'm in a very fortunate position that we've got a um, something of a unique organisation um, with a really interesting model in terms of kind of the reinvestment of our profits uh, and the ability to to really provide, you know, and help deliver a kind of positive impact for kind of the myriad of stakeholders that we have. Um, the fact that we've had a really kind of robust financial performance, not just in 2020 in very difficult times, but over the last kind of decade, you know, the, the business has gone from strength to strength which 
all of which kind of allows us to have an even greater impact. And I think that is what's very motivating and really interesting. So I think, you know, for me, it's kind of strategically I've been thinking about, well, how do we sharpen our focus? And where are the areas where we think we can we can deliver, you know, the greatest benefit? Um, so continuing the kind of the, you know, the really great work that I think that's happened to date. That said, you can never sit back on your laurels. And I think we absolutely have to kind of to think through how the world is changing and where are the and always have in our minds. And I'm obsessed with kind of the client and adding you know, value for our clients. And we should always be striving to kind of add greater value. So, you know, the area, there are a couple of areas that I'm super interested in. One in we've, we've talked about, I think sustainability is an agenda where we can really bring, um, you know, standards in particular can really deliver impact. I think the other area that I'm very interested in is around all things digital, to be frank, sort of digital transformation. And and I think as an organization, BSI is, you know, we need to be thinking about greater use of of technology internally across our business uh, to raise the bar in terms of our own performance. We need to be thinking digitally in terms of how we deliver our services and solutions. Um, and, And I think we will be developing new digital products for the future. So I think our world is absolutely is changing. I think what clients value is changing and I think we really need to be kind of ahead of that. And I think technology is a very important piece of that. And that's definitely kind of obviously from my background at Thomson Reuters, it's a very digital organization. So that whole world of kind of data, um, data and workflow is something that I'm super interested in from this perspective. And it's an area where I do think there have been a few sort of silver linings from from the world of COVID, not, notwithstanding the, the horrible sort of personal human toll and you know the the incredibly difficult kind of economics sort of situation that I think the world will find itself coming out of COVID um you know what has been interesting is and BSI is a fantastic example of this you know we have used digital in a completely different way it was something that was was already kind of bubbling along um certainly from a kind of a a standards and um an assurance perspective but i think the pandemic has absolutely kind of forced us to kind of accelerate our use of digital in ways that i think you know that genie is never going back in the bottle i think we'll be we'll be really thinking about some of the lessons that we've learned in terms of delivering greater value in terms of being more agile in terms of you know working um working much faster, really speeding up innovation. I think there are some things that we've learned through the pandemic that we don't want to lose. Um, We love it, uh, Susan, when our guests uh, mention upcoming episodes or subjects of upcoming episodes. (laughs) So we are going to be doing one or we'll be doing one around digital transformation. So that will be that will be coming up soon. And something you've also mentioned there about sort of using technology and sort of the future of standards, how standards Mm. are developed. So that will be also be the subject of a of another episode. So stay tuned for that. Yes. Um, as a final thought, then I just wonder what your sort of your personal hopes and and, and sort of dreams are for twenty twenty one. You know, I've got a very basic one. I I'm really looking forward to meeting my team face to face. I haven't even met my kind of my uh, my kind of leadership team sort of in the flesh, as it were. Um, so I'm really really looking forward to that and and having a good a team discussion. Uh, and you know, you know, Teams, Zoom, uh, all of our kind of video conferencing. I mean, again organizations kind of leapt on that and there have been benefits as I said right at the beginning you know fantastic that I can meet with colleagues from all around the world much more easily um 
and without the climate impact of getting on a plane, which is good. But I am really looking forward to some kind of human human contact again. And I really look forward to to meeting people across the world. The other thing I'm really keen, you know, excited to do is meet clients. I think that's one of the things that's more difficult to kind of organise as you kind of come new into a into a role a role and kind of meeting people virtually is not ideal. Um, but I really look forward to kind of getting out and 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 going out with our team, for example, um, as they are kind of going about their work, uh, assuring clients around the world, you know, really understanding and seeing the kind of the delivery of 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 our services kind of in the flesh, as it were, is going to be really important. So I really look forward to that. Um, and I also look forward to, on a personal note, going out for dinner <laughs> because my cooking, as I mentioned earlier, has leaves something to be desired. And so just the idea of a non-home-cooked meal is really quite exciting. It's amazing. But, um, you always crave those pleasures. simple things. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. And, and it, actually, that's quite exciting. I do think coming out of this period – we will be grateful for the, the small things uh, in a way that I'm sure we'll probably lose that incredibly quickly, but uh, we'll be grateful for the small things. But the, the trick is, as I said, I, I think there have been some real lessons, both in terms of dealing with a pandemic that we that we can't lose, but also, you know, things that have really changed the way that we operate as a business, the way that, um, you know, the things that are important to our, kind of our colleagues, focus on kind of well-being that I think we've had through the pandemic, those things can't stop. We've got to absolutely continue with that. I, I, I do think it's interesting because one of the things that's really kind of struck me is just how bizarrely, because it's been technically sort of intermediated, but I think, you know, businesses have become much more human. And we realise that our real strategic advantage for every business, particularly for BSI, I would say, is all about our people. And so really focusing on our colleagues and team and supporting them is incredibly important. Susan Taylor-Martin, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity and look forward to sort of look forward to your upcoming podcasts. They sound fantastic, particularly there. So I'm glad that uh, there's some there are some topics there that really kind of resonate with me. So I really look forward to uh, to those. And hopefully, once I'm kind of more than five weeks in, have me back. I'd love to come back and talk a little bit more. Oh, we'll definitely have you back. Thank <laughs> you very much. Thanks so much, Matty. You have been listening to an episode of the BSI Education Podcast. To find out more, visit bsigroup.com forward slash education. You just heard a stripped media production. 